Coming up, we'll hear about creating the Goosebumps TV series with executive story editor and writer Dan Angel. Dan talks about what it was like to work on the series and the journey of adapting the series from popular books. He also shares some behind-the-scenes stories from the show and its creation. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Attraction Network show, we bring Halloween to you every weekday. We have news on location coverage and interviews from experiences around the world. Whether you're a Halloween enthusiast or professional, each episode helps you celebrate the best holiday. Outside of this podcast, of course, we have videos, events, and even education. In fact, our first event of the season is coming up this Friday, June 24th in Hollywood. We partnered with Horror Buzz to host a Q&A with the creators of Urban Death Cannibal Corpse. There's no extra charge for this Q&A. Anyone who attends Friday's show can watch. You can get tickets at zombiejoes.com or on our website, which is hauntedtrashnetwork.com. And speaking of the haunt season, we're busily preparing for our annual hauntathon. If you have a haunt and you want us to feature your haunt on our show, contact me. You can do that from the contact page on our website, where you can just shoot me an email, philip at hauntedtrashnetwork.com. We cover haunts large and small on our show, and we're especially interested in haunts that want to discuss their creative journey with us. Okay, back to Goosebumps. This audio was taken from a Q&A that Dan gave at Sugarmint Gallery on June 18th, 2022. Moderated by Jeff Tapali, the event was part of the Spooky Kids Club exhibit, which Jeff co-curated. Today, we're playing the full panel for you. There are questions from the audience at the end, and those are a little quiet, but we did our best to clean them up so you could hear them. And with that, I'll pass it over to Jeff. So ladies and gentlemen, Dan Angel. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? All righty. So you did a lot of goosebumps work through the years. How many years of your life? Actually, R.L. Stein was like a whole chapter of your life. We'll get into the later projects, but like it yeah. was over a decade for you, right? Yeah, it was um, four years on goosebumps. We had four seasons. So it was 66 episodes. And then they added eight um, behind it. Um, then we did Haunting Hour, which we'll talk about later, but that was another 76 episodes. <clears throat> and then we did Monsterville, and that was a movie for Universal, and we're actually doing a second one right now. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so he's been, he's been great. He's been wonderful, and he trusts us, and, you know. Very cool. It was great to get that. So a lot of your business has been spooky in this yeah. industry. Was that an, an initial goal of yours, or did you just kind of end up there? You know, I, I, I grew up, um, <clears throat> it, here's, here's the truth. My, I, my parents took us to the movies all the time and we'd go on movie runs and we'd be like on a Saturday, we'd go to see three or four movies and we'd start at 10, 11 in the morning and then we'd take a break for lunch and we'd go back. And that's really what got me excited about making movies and TV shows because you just, when you live it, um, you know, you just, it's just exciting. But the one movie they took me to, which I shouldn't have gone to, was Rosemary's Baby. I think I was like six wow. years old. Oh my gosh. And I'll, ne I'll just never forget, you know, sitting on my dad's lap and going, oh, you can't judge a book by its cover. And then I'm like terrified from like the minute <laughs> the music starts. So, you know, I, the running joke is I, I was traumatized by Wait Until Dark and all these movies. And I wanted to give back. I wanted to traumatize a few other people. You know. <laughs> Excellent. Now, obviously, R.L. Stein is the author of the Goosebumps books. How did you get involved in his world? 
Okay, this is, again, it's great to have you all here, and I don't know with each person here who works, does anyone work in the business, you know, or, or actually this qualifies for any walk of life. Um, but the way it happened was my first movie project was a film with John Carpenter called Body Bags. And before I sold that movie to John out of film school, um, I had optioned the project to a gentleman named Bill Siegler. And Bill ran movies at ABC, and he was just a lovely guy, and we really hit it off. And he never made the movie, but we would, he lived in New York, and I would go to New York twice a year and go to breakfast with him, and we just really hit it off. And then one day, he gets the call that they want him to be the producer, line producer, running the show. And he said, okay, I know who I'm calling to do the show. And it was that relationship. Wow. It's all about relationships. And out of the blue, he calls us and says, we're doing the show called Goosebumps, and I want you and your Billy to be, I want you to be the guys running the show. <clears throat> that was amazing. And it was all about the contact and the connection to Bill. Wow. <clears throat> so what was your, when was your first time meeting R.L. Stein? And, and kind of what is he like? He's, he's a little bit mysterious, I think, you know, by design. Yeah. But what's he like in real life? He's a blast. He's like the nicest, kindest, fun guy. And the, and the way we met him, the, the thing is we, we had talks on the phone and we went through, you know, so this, the books. And, and obviously <clears throat> you have to build a trust with an author. He had sold, what, 400 million books. And, you know, so, and, and, and by the way, Fox Kids was the one who bought the show. So it was a Fox show. And that was run by an incredible woman named Margaret Lesh, who literally went to the stores and watched hundreds of kids sitting in the bookstores reading the books. It had never happened before. And I don't think it's ever, well, probably Harry happened Potter. with Harry Potter, yeah. yes. <laughs> Those are the two. Yeah. Um, and so Margaret and I knew each other from years past, so that was good. Um, she used to run Marvel, and she was the one who kept telling everyone to make Marvel characters into movies, and they wouldn't do it. And she was the head of the company. So, so she went off to start Fox Kids, and then she bought all the Marvel characters and made animation. So, wow. so we built a trust with Margaret and Bill and met, you know, Arl Stein. Um, and he was just fantastic. And it was him and Jane, who's his partner and wife and, you know, editor of the books. And uh, they really liked us. We liked each other. They trusted us and in our instincts for telling the stories. And he was incredibly supportive and flexible. Like, because again, a lot of the books, there'll be a great idea, but you have to transfer these into 30 minutes or one hour. And it might not all be there, so we have to take liberties. And he was completely supportive through that process. But the real time that I met him was we came up with the idea to have him host these one hours. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> And we knew he wasn't a brilliant actor, and we didn't want a brilliant actor. We just wanted Bob Stein. We wanted R.L. Stein, you yeah. know. And he is so, when you watch those, you know, he is. You'll uh, see him tonight. If, yeah, if, if you, you don't know who R.L. Stein is, he'll introduce the specials you'll see tonight. Yeah, so he introduced, he's, he's our, you know, Rod Serling. You know, he's our. He, Walt and, Disney. Yeah, Walt Disney. Yeah. So he, he was wonderful. He'd fly out. He would do it. And uh, he was really good at it because he just was R.L. Stein. You know, he was very fun and creepy fun, and he was perfect. Um, I'll tell you one fun story about that. Yeah. So we had him do uh, Night of the Living Dummy, and our idea was to create a dummy that looks like him. And we end up in a room, and we're trying to decide what to do because he has a big mole on his head. 
and we're going, wait a minute, do we put the mole on the dummy or not? Is this going to offend them? And we all kind of looked at each other and went, we're putting the mole on the dummy. <laughs> and he showed up and he loved it. So when you see the dummy, you'll see the mole that matches. I was going to say, you'll see the dummy tonight as well and some retro commercial we got yeah. going on. So as I was doing my research, one of the things that kind of shocked me was how close in proximity the books were to the show. Because the books started in 92, they ran through 97, and there were 62 of those books. So from 1992 to 97, then the TV series started in 1995. Yeah. So only three years after the book started, if not less, that ran through 98. That's really close. Like I always thought they were, I mean, they were classics, but I thought they were classics through time um, by the time the series came along, but it was really kind of a fast turnaround. Yeah, and I, you know, Margaret Lesh gets the credit for that because she's, she really is a rare leader in our business. She's a buccaneer, she's, you know, she's, she's gutsy. She, she saw something and she just said, we're doing it. And she's also the one responsible for Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. and she's responsible for many things, but you know, when Haim Saban walked in and said, I have this thing, I mean, everyone had passed on Power Rangers. No one was doing Power Rangers. And she saw it and said, this is excellent. This will work. And she told me a funny story. And this just shows you how she's like, and this is why Goosebumps was, she was able to just do it and, you know, and make it happen. Um, the, her boss has basically said, if you put this on the air, you will be fired. And she said, okay, well, you're going to have to fire me because I'm putting it on the air. And as they say, the rest is history. So it was great to have that kind of a leader at a network who saw goosebumps and witnessed what was happening and just grabbed it and went. You know, she wanted it on the air fast. And you were telling me earlier <laughs> that they didn't, they didn't want it to be scary? Yeah, one, one of the battles we had on the show is the network understood that it's really important to make it thrills and chills because, by the way, it's called Goosebumps. So, um, and Scholastic was pushing back. They were nervous and they were afraid if we made the show too scary, would it affect, you know, corporately or would they get, you know, people complaining? Um, but we were really fortunate because, again, we had the network behind us and supporting us. And what we did was we created... Um, and by the way, Billy Brown's my partner and he's fantastic and he couldn't be here tonight, but he, he's incredible talent. And what we did is we actually created this scare space for kids and they'd call it safe scare. So the way it worked is, you know, you have to picture your, you know, whether you were a kid or you have kids, you know, when you go to a park, you go to a magic mountain or any roller coaster, you're, the kids are waiting in line, they're nervous, they don't want to go, they get on the ride, they scream and yell. And then what do they say when they get off? Do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah. That's our show. And we knew we weren't going to have sex. We're not going to have language. We're not going to have gore, but we're going to scare you. And those are the rules. And probably no blood? Huh? Was blood? Well, that was part of the gore. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we couldn't have that. And what was interesting is, and the network supported, that's what they wanted. Um, but what happened is we started winning awards for Parents' Choice, and the Parents' Choice, which is a very difficult place to win an award, they said, this is really good for kids. Kids should be afraid, and then they should come out of it and find their way out of this fear. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I was glad it worked, you know? Yeah. But it was a lot of fun to do that. So honestly, when you were first approached, hey, we got this Goosebumps thing, there's this guy, R.L. Stein. were you familiar with the books and or had you read any of them? I, had, I was familiar with the books, had not read a one. So thus began the- um, Research. Research. <laughs> 
and um, power reading. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it was fun because, again, when you get that position where you're able to, you know, and we're not credited as producers, but we were the producer showrunners. And that, that was just a reflection of Canadian rules. When you do a 10 out of 10 show, if you're an American, they won't give credits. And that's a whole other story. But we had that great task of reading the books, adapting them. And yeah, so, so you have to decide, you know, what order are you going to go in? And, you know, we, you know, Haunted Mask was definitely, you know, how we wanted to start. Um, it was so, and then we got Jose Rivera who agreed to write it. And he's just a spectacular writer. And if you check out Jose, if you don't know Jose, check it out. I mean, he's, you know, he's like, he's an Academy Award winning writer. And he wrote, you know, this, the first one, we wrote the second one. Speaking of the titles, your official title is executive story editor and then writer on some Correct. episodes as well. But you were kind of a showrunner. We right? were the showrunners. You yeah. were on set for. Yeah, we were. We were. The, we were responsible for the all the creative. Uh, Bill Siegler ran the operation. He was fantastic. Um, and what happened was, you know, we had to. Uh, yeah, so we were on set. I'm going to back up a second. Sure. What's amazing about doing this kind of a show, which I love. In our business, every time you try to sell a show like this, all the buyers and the heads of the studios and networks will say, anthology doesn't work. <laughs> and I've never understood this, okay? Because, first of all, I love anthology, and I'll bet all of you have watched a ton of anthology. You know, we can name them all. They're starting with Twilight Zone. And they always say, don't write books in first person, and yeah. those are like some of my favorite books. It's just, books, it's yeah. just not true, Stupid because rules. I could ask everyone here today, do, do you like anthology? And you can raise your hand and, you know, we have an audience and we know so but what i love about anthology is we have to make this was a half hour an hour formats but in the half hour the regular show we have to make a movie every five days nothing is the same the wardrobes are different characters are different you know the locations are different so you can imagine the challenge doing this kind of work and we loved it and we had a great crew and we shot in toronto uh, we took over a Molson beer brewery that went out of business, and this place was massive. So you had to go through the first steps of making sure it doesn't have asbestos and clean it out, and we ended up cleaning out two or three floors. And it is so massive, and, and again, and we did a lot of shooting on location, and we would split that up. Some would be on location, you know, that's what you do in the schedule while they're building sets, we're on location, and you trade off. Um, but the the elevators were so massive in um, Night and Terror Tower, if anyone saw that episode, which is one of my favorites, uh, we were bringing horses up the elevators oh, wow. onto the sound stages. It was like unbelievable. But we could do that because it was an old brewery that had these massive elevators. That's so funny. Yeah. Now, I did notice in some of your credits it said written by and then others teleplay by. Just a nerdy minutia here, but what's yeah. the difference? Is, what's this is IMDb, so it's official. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because, and again, it's, it's interesting you point that out because most of the time, so written by, you're, you're adapting, let me go back, teleplay by, you're adapting, written by, it's an original. So if you're looking at Trilogy, you'll see a different type of credit than if you, that was the only one, by the way, that was an original. Gotcha. That will be a different credit than the adaptations. Okay, interesting. Um, now. We're obviously, we're talking about the original sources, the books, but one of the cool things that happened, Sarah Rose has them on her lap. She can pass them around. <clears throat> they ended up making books based on the TV. Like, 
these these stories that were originally books became a TV series. Then they made books of the TV, of the TV series, series for the for the audience. So it's kind of cool. You can pass them around. Yeah. You can share. Well, the audience. I mean, I love these too. The audience loves to see pictures of all the stars and on the set, and you know, all that's in there. Yeah. <clears throat> So that's kind of cool. Now, how how involved was R.L. Stein with all of this? Like, did he ever, other than you know the days you were shooting him, was he visiting set? Was he giving notes? No, we would. What we would do is we'd finish scripts, <clears throat> and then we would send the scripts, and then Jane and Bob would read them, and if they had notes, they'd give us notes. But they were, they were, they loved it. You know, they were. It was a lot of. It was. A, it was a good, healthy process. Um, so that that worked out really well. Um, and Did, that's how we built that trust. You know, once you start doing it and it's working, it gets easier. Yeah. You know? Did you enjoy adapting the books or is that kind of, I mean, writers like to write their own stories, right? Oh, no, I, no, we loved it. We loved it because they gave us creative license. If you, mm. if you're reading and some of them, again, some of the, obviously every book is different. I, I, we all have favorites and then there's some might not be his favorite, you know, um, but sometimes there'd be a book that would have a German idea that we like, and then you can expand on it. Um, and we had to do hours. When you have to do hours, you have to, a lot of times we'd have to expand a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but when you have a cool image like Stay Out of the Basement, and now you're dealing with something that's a lot of fun, and you've got kids and dads downstairs, what dad, what's dad up to? And we had big debates about the whole scene when you get to the final moment. Spoiler alert, you know, where they're trying to decide which dad to kill. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is tough TV. Like you're talking about a family show and a, you know, and a kid's, and we call it co-viewing because adults watched it with their kids, which was great. But, you know, now you're talking about, we have to make a decision to kill one of these guys and you better <laughs> pick right. So yeah, we, th th that was a lot of fun making, you know, doing those kind of things. <laughs> was there ever a, a difficult story when it came to adapting the book to you know the TV screen, anything in the story that was like a, a difficult hurdle to get over, or something you had to cut just because you're like, I don't know, where that doesn't work for a TV series. It works in the book, but not in the series. I think it was more like if you read something and didn't love it, like it came from beneath the sink. A killer sponge was not exciting. Mm -hmm. That was one of our least favorite, you know, because now you're trying to take an Adam and a sponge, and how are we going to make this scary? And production-wise, it was really a drag. Okay. I mean, no matter what you do with a sponge, it's only so scary. <laughs> so we had those kind of challenges, you know. And there were challenges. The, the fun challenges were, I'm just kind of I'm rattling off things in my memory bank, but like Werewolf of Fever Swamp. I mean, you know, anything you do that requires makeup, mm -hmm. and let's go back to Haunted Mask for a second, and Haunted Mask 2 with John White, that, that I really remember because... We only have so many hours to shoot, especially with the kids. And so they would end up wearing the mask the whole time. And when they take a break, they're drinking protein shakes. I, was, I came across some photos of that as yeah. I was like doing research. I was just Googling the haunted mask and, and there were photos, behind the scenes photos of the, the actors sucking through straws. Yeah, with they're the sucking mask through on. straws and they're having protein shakes. And you know, they can't just eat a burger and fries at yeah. this point because it takes hours to undo everything. And then, you know, so that's all part of the scheduling, trying to do the makeup. And, and all the masks and, every, and there was a lot of that, you know? Yeah. But we also did a lot of locations. So when you watch a lot of the episodes like Werewolf Fever Swamp, or, I mean, we spent hours in the middle of the woods and it was, it was a grind. It, it, we liked it and it was fun, but you know, the weather and you know, <laughs> there's a lot of weather changes in Toronto. Uh, 
a night in Terror Tower, it was 35 below. Wow. So you can watch and you'll see people breathing and you know, it's like, it was cold. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. I feel comfortable asking it because we were introduced through your friend DJ McHale. Yes. DJ McHale was here about a month ago. He's the co-creator of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Was Goosebumps Fox's you know, response to Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark? I don't think so. Okay. That's my recollection. It's, so what was, now I'm trying to remember. Are You Afraid of the Dark was 1990. So it was five yeah. years before the Goosebumps series, a, a few years before, or a couple of years before the Goosebumps books. Yeah. And Are You Afraid of the Dark, I mean, kind of revolutionized Nickelodeon. Yeah. The whole Snick oh, yeah. block no, I did. remember well. And was, I always got the impression, it was a little bit later on, I definitely grew up like obsessed with Are You Afraid of the Dark. Right. And Goosebumps, I was a little bit older, to be completely honest. But I definitely remember kind of kids picking teams like oh, yeah. you were a goosebumps kid yeah. or you know it was kind of like a boy band sort of thing like yeah. you, you pick one and you, you stick with it but um i don't well, know it always felt like a response to me but you don't recall we, that at well all. when it when it came to doing the show or talking about we obviously we knew about that show we had a pretty good i mean we had huge ratings and by the way and, the totally different shows yeah i don't mean yeah to we were scarier yeah. usually yeah. we tried to push it further um but it was the thing is goosebumps by nature was so massive that no matter what came before it or after it it just it just stood out yeah you know no one i mean it's just unbelievable what I, happened i was actually shocked to learn that the books were the 90s because i grew up in the 80s and to me goosebumps felt like it's always been part of my life like always and forever you know and so i'm surprised it's as, as quote unquote new as it is well the th look it's the one thing I love is if you set out to make a show, one of the goals is to try to make a really good show. Because if you can do something and make it, you know, do, with all the resources, I mean, believe me, we didn't have a lot of money. And um, so you're trying to write, cast, you're doing everything you can do. But if you make a good show, it's going to be around. When I'm gone, people are going to be talking about it. I mean, it's, it's still a big hit on Netflix. Yeah. You know, and, and what I love is I love that the next generation comes up they watch it and then the next you know, kids come up and kids just don't get tired of it but i'm really proud of the fact that parents love to watch it with their kids and that whole co-viewing is the main part of my business i love creating you know shows and movies that everyone can watch together who here is going to be watching an episode of goosebumps for the first time tonight first time viewer okay a few of you viewer cool. beware viewer beware you're in for a scare um cool so Obviously, the show is on Fox. Disney now owns Fox. Yeah. So Disney now owns the Goosebumps series. What's... Yeah, and they're doing. And they're doing something. They're doing right? something. Yeah. Now I had read. I, maybe it's not fair because I don't know that much about it. But and by the way, we went through. Um, there was a period of time when they were trying. They tried to do the movies forever. So when we were doing the show, they tried to do the movie, and that went on for years. It went on for decades, you know, it went on for 20 years before they finally made it, more than that even. And I remember we were involved in it at first, which we were excited about because obviously we wanted to write the movie. And I think one of the problems was, I don't know, I'm pretty sure it was Scholastic that was pushing this, but they wanted Steven Spielberg or big name someone to do it. And so we ended up in a room with Tim Burton. Oh, wow. And that was a blast. So we were talking to Tim Burton about it and we thought it was going to happen. And then it whether it was happened. his schedule or whatever, it didn't happen. But it was great to be sitting in the room with Tim Burton talking about Goosebumps the movie. 
And then that whole thing just fell apart, and it wasn't until Sony eventually bought the rights, and then they finally made the movies, but that was 20-some years later. Interesting. Yeah. So there are 74 episodes of the series. There are 62 books. So did the series tell the story of every single book? No. So there There's, were some no, originals. We definitely, we definitely didn't do some of the books. Okay. I mean, we did the trilogy. I have to really, now you're going to... Well, gonna, some of them I know are two-parters, like the Haunted Mask episodes. No, were exactly. actually, were, Those were both We did two a lot of two-parters, so that okay. did eat up you know, some of that for sure. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, Dead House, two-parter, Haunted Mask. Um, the Tower one. Yeah, Night and Terror Tower, yeah. Haunted Mask 2. Yeah. Um, uh, Werewolf of Fever Swamp. Who was deciding which titles we were did. made? You decided yeah. that. Okay, yeah, cool. we got to do that. And you still made the sponge one? Well, that was just that was just one of those moments where the book it was popular. Okay. You know, sometimes you sometimes you just gotta give the audience what they want. And if they want a killer sponge, I don't know. Sarah Rose can't believe I asked you that. I'm dying because that was the only Goosebumps book that I read in fourth grade summer reading. And I just was like thinking about that too. Like a killer sponge? What is that? No, it's it so funny. It was, yeah, I can't, believe me, we spent a lot of time. It, it was. We went through a lot of sponges. <laughs> well, let me ask. You, I know this is a tough question, but do you have a favorite episode of the series? I do. Well, f first of all, I, I love the haunted mask. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's just that is. The, when I read that that book, something about that book and that story. The minute you read that story, it's just far above. You know, like you can read all the books, but when you read haunted mask. That's like the that's the, that's it. You know? I think so, we've all had that moment with the mask, though. I like yeah. where every kid on. First of all, we all have Halloween, right? So that, yeah. there's the immediate introduction and the love of Halloween, but then there's the every kid has put a mask over his head and it had that freak out moment of not being able to take it off. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Like, and, and and I think we've all wanted to either be the one who's scaring people or you. you it's there's an empowerment about that. But there's also the the bullying and the abuse about that. I mean, it hits so many things. And then, of course, thematically, it's about family and love, and you know the whole symbol of love, which is you know what's used in both episodes to try to break a curse. And that's cool, you yeah. know. So in, at the heart of it, it's family and friends and trying to get things right. Cool. Now, as we mentioned, the Haunted Mask episodes are two episodes each. There were some others that did that as well. How was that decided? Was it based on the story or just kind of like the popularity of the book? It was definitely the popularity okay. that would drive it. And um, and then we would have the discussion, can we sustain it? Okay. You know, so, but definitely popularity. I mean, Terror Tower, huge popularity. Stay Out of the Basement, huge. I mean, I'd say all the big ones, these were the best sellers for sure. And we had access to that information. Yeah. So we knew what the kids and everyone was, you know, what they were buying and what they loved the most. We who, had all that research. Who had the VHS tapes? Because I totally did. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. I will never forget. I picked up, I picked up a, uh, by the way, this is when, if, if you know the, tra you know, Variety and Hollywood Reporter, and this is when they used to do full page ads. And one day I opened it up and it was all about how they had sold a hundred million. It, it was like the most. Like what? Like the wow. figure was so high for DVD slash V. This was VHS yeah. then, you know. It was it was just mind-boggling how how big it was. That's awesome. Now I want to talk about. Of course, when you're talking about the haunted mask, there's the mask, right? Somebody had to design this mask because all it was when you started was an image on the cover right. of a book. Right. And 
it's a really iconic image. If you haven't seen it, we have the book inside. <laughs> Check it out after. But, you know, the mask on the show doesn't look exactly like that. It was certainly inspired by it. But what was that process like of being like, okay, this thing's super iconic, but we've got to make it work for the show. Yeah. I think you guys even made it a little scarier. Yeah, we wanted to make it scarier. Yeah. yeah. So what was... You have to look at the teeth. and the, You know, I mean, we, we definitely amped it up. Uh, okay, so this is one of the great moments. Um, like I said, we don't have a big budget. And in walks this guy. We're looking for our monster builder, our creature builder. And in walks this, at that time, a kid named Ron Stefanik. Ah. Okay? And his dream is to build monsters and to do this. And in fact, he loves it so much, he does it at home, like in his oven. He's doing it, you know? So we went to his house and saw what he had done on his own. He just was the guy doing it. And we gave him the job. And he just That's was awesome. an incredible designer, and he did all the work, and it, you know, he it really launched his career. I, I think it launched it bigger than he could have imagined uh, to have your first job be on Goosebumps. But yeah, he he stayed in the limited budgets we had. He was a great designer, and he had a lot to do with it. I think Trick or Treat Studios actually has a new version of it, or another version of it, coming out this year, right? Have you seen that, Sarah? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's another version. Coming, like a, a reproduction of it. Like it's still, people wow. still want that mask this yeah. many years later. So I think people would want, even if they didn't, they didn't know Goosebumps, if they want something scary, you see it. And, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool yeah. mask. Now you said you shot in Canada. I've honestly never been to Canada. Actually, I've been to the other side, the Niagara Falls side. But I mean, you're shooting fall USA in Canada. Is that difficult or do they have kind of, does it lend itself to that? Because you totally get the Halloween-y fall feels. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, we did, obviously, we, scheduling-wise, sometimes we'd hit summer mm. and shoot all through the summers, and then sometimes it would carry over in fall, winter. You know, it just depend on, it would, it, it would depend on when they'd order the show, and then we'd have to do schedules and hit, you know, targets. Uh, but Toronto, I mean, you, in Toronto, you could get, um, and I've done a lot of shows in Toronto and in Vancouver, but for this one, I mean, you had all the small-town USA looks, you had the big city in Toronto if you needed that. We had that brewery with all the space we needed to build what we didn't have. Um, and they had a lot, a lot of um, forest and woods and, you know. So we, we had everything we needed. Cool. Yeah. Any onset stories or memories from the Haunted Mask in, in particular? Well, I, I can tell you that, that uh, we have Catherine Short and Catherine Long. You know, it's really interesting already. Like, how did short and long of it, right? Um, I, th I think what was interesting when you watch that situation and then you watch the Haunted Mask 2 situation with John White, because we brought John in, um, I think one of, this is a general thing, but these kids were remarkable. And when you think about what we put them through, I mean, they came to play. Like, they were ready, whether it was sitting for hours in makeup, or, you know, I mean, John White playing that old man, it was exhausting. I mean, he did not phone it in, you know, and he's walking and falling and, you know. So I, it was really impressive just to see how wonderful everyone wanted to contribute and make the show be good, you know. And, yeah. I, and I think that was, that, was, that, was, that was just a real great memory. And the other great memory was I had moved my family up there. Oh, wow. So... John White's family, for example, they ended up getting really close to my, I have, I have three kids and they learned how to ice skate and rollerblade, you know, everything that is, you know, 
Canadian. <laughs> they learned how to do. And then we had this one great, if you look at Haunted Mask, um, there's a moment, now I'm trying to remember if it's in part one. Anyway, they asked our family to be in it. So there's a moment when mom goes to the door and all the trick-or-treaters are us. Oh, it's my three nice. kids in the front. And I'm in the back videotaping him as the dad videotaping his kids and my wife's in the background. And it, I, it was just a blast oh, to cool. look at, for my kids to look at that now, you know, and my son's an actor and he's a director and he's a writer. It's just, it's really funny. But that was not my idea. That was, that was Bill Siegler's idea and it was a lot of fun to do. That's cool. And on Haunted Mask 2, you actually got a written by credit. So you wrote that yeah. episode. So that's extra yeah. special, I'm sure, for you. Yeah, that you. was great. Beyond Goosebumps, still working with R.L. Stein's, uh, The Haunting Hour, really great. Uh, well, it started as a movie in 2007, right. and then a series 2010 to 2014. Obviously, Goosebumps had wrapped up at that point. Oh, yeah. So how'd this come about? Did you, did you pitch the idea, or is this the, them coming back to you? Well, what, yeah, so what happened, by the way, has anyone here seen The Haunting Hour? Okay, I just okay. watched it for the first time because he mentioned it to me. <clears throat> it's really good. So seek out The Haunting Hour. Like It's a lot of fun. It's really, really good. So check that one out. So what happened, again, this is one of those great moments in your, we don't always have all these great moments in our life, but um, Discovery and Hasbro decided to join forces and launch a new family network called The Hub. Mm. And then they hired Margaret Lesh, who had run Fox Kids, to run the network. Now the funny part was, now Margaret and I were partners in a company called The Hatchery. And so we were doing business and she gets this call. And she says to me, they're never gonna hire me, I'm too old. And you know, I'm going, no, you're brilliant, of course they're gonna hire you. She got the job, so now I'm alone at the company and then one day the phone rings and she says, I want goosebumps, I wanna bring it back. There's a short story books, uh, you know, called The Haunting Hour and The Nightmare Hour and I want you to do the show. You're the best at it. I want 22 episodes, and I need them by 10:10. So it was 10:10:10. October 10th is when they needed them by. Mm. Um, I'm gonna tell you, man. You get that call. You know, no pilot, no testing. She knew we knew how to do it, and so we went to. We, we immediately hired some writers that we loved, and uh, had a small group of people. And interestingly enough, we ended up doing 76 episodes. We only did about 10 from the books. The other 66-ish, I might be off on my numbers, but not by much. Arl Stein was like, go. We would just call and go, hey, what about this? He goes, oh, yeah, I love that story, go. So in oh, that wow. situation, it was different than Goosebumps because most of them were originals. Hmm. And the, the main difference when you watch both shows is we amped it up. Same rules, but we did some pretty scary stuff. Um, and the second thing we did, which I wanted to do, is we tried to put as many kid stars in it. So, you know, Bailey Madison, and she started out with Lily D and it's a Haunted Doll episode. And uh, Dylan Minnette, you know, did like three episodes for us and Debbie Ryan and anyone who was doing the whole modern uh, family cast, each one of those kids did an episode. So everyone had an episode and we would just keep grabbing cast. So we had great cast, we amped it up. And I mean, Lily, I'll give you the, 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 the like I said, we didn't do a pilot, but the first episode they wanted to do same thing, you know, a, a double episode. And I go to, uh, I'm with my wife, and I don't know how we ended up going there, but we ended up with um, American Doll, okay? We were in a mall, 
And I walk into there and I'm, I'm go, wait a minute, these people are sitting with their dolls having dinner. <laughs> it's just, there's something really creepy about this. And I'm watching the, and I'm watching everyone tend to, you know, and I went, okay, that's it. That's going to be the first episode, you know? And, um, so we, and that was a blast. We got Bailey Madison. She was young. She was a brilliant young actress, you know, kid actress. And we did the episode and we, you know, we ended up, uh, it was just, it was just a blast to build the replica of her as a doll. And yeah, so watch it. Cause you guys will have a lot of fun. It is, but we, we don't mess around it. We get really scary. That's awesome. Yeah. Then 2015, we get the TV movie R.L. Stein's Monsterville Cabinet of Souls. Yep. And you said you're working on a current one of that now? Yeah, they're doing. They, what we did was we called, Universal called us, and there's a group at Universal called 1440 Productions, and they originally were the home video group, but of course home video isn't the same, so now they do, they supply streamers and different people. But they wanted, you know, when we had done, um, when, when we had done the first one, for the haunting hour as a movie, um, it did so well. They said, "Well, we want to do something else," and so we came up with Billy and I came up with an original idea called Monsterville, and we wanted it to be all monster episodes, you know. So we started with with this, the big one that we did, and we had Dove Cameron and a great cast, and it was a again, it was a we didn't have a big budget, you know. These were budgets like five million dollars, but boy, it was it was a big, you know. We we were creatures, and you know small town and you know it was a lot of fun so they, they they did really well so now we're getting ready to start the next one it's awesome and you know again it's anthology in nature so the second monsterville will be nothing like the last story mm -hmm. it'll just be another one very cool well i'm going to open it up to questions in a second but i i noticed you <clears throat> brought a bunch of notes so did we hit anything is there anything you want to say that uh i think we hit a lot of these this is amazing right. um i can tell you um you know, we had we had really good directors in um, in Toronto when we were doing the show. The best director was a guy named uh, William Fruitt, and if you see his name, I mean, he ended up doing all the scariest ones. Like this guy really knew how to get the scare, and you know, Ron Oliver would do sometimes he'd do scary, but he he usually did a lot of the fun ones, you know, that weren't as scary. Um, but it was interesting to have a stable of three or four directors, and then we had great writers. I mean, I'm working with Scott Peters now. And Scott did the 4400, and he did V, and you know he's a great writer and a great guy. <clears throat> so you stay in touch with these people too. You just keep working with them, you know. Yeah, it's so awesome. It's great. Did anybody have any questions? Cool sweatshirt, by the way. Nice. Anybody have any questions <laughs> before we let Dan go? Sure, right there. You know, it's it's funny. I thought about that today. The answer is no. Uh, probably the closest would have been John White. And I remember him calling, his family calling us, because, and this is again years ago, because he ended up doing American Pie, the nude one. And we're like, John, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, you know, he's now running around naked in American Pie. Like, that was probably, what, 10 years ago. But, you know, every once in a while, someone will come up or someone will call. But, yeah, we've lost touch. Now, now oh, by the way, we, yeah, I didn't mention this. You guys would know this. But let's talk about Ryan Gosling. I mean, some of the people that came out of the show. Yeah. Um, and I remember the director was saying to us, you've got to hire this kid. He's amazing for, uh, you know, say cheese and die. No, no, say cheese. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and they kept telling me about this kid. And we, we kept saying no, because we didn't know who he was. And then finally we saw him. And it was like, yeah, we got to put him in the show. 
and he was unbelievable. I think that was only his, I think he was in the Mickey Mouse Club. He did Mickey Mouse Club and Are You, I, are, I don't know if he did Are You Afraid of the Dark before or after your Goosebumps episode. Yeah, I don't know if he, he did, did that yeah. eventually. But he, it was like, yeah, you can just watch that episode and you can tell, yeah. that's Ryan. I mean, this, he's a special kid. And then it was Hayden Christensen. So I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that moment when I can call Ryan. You know, there's a few things we have going on now. It's like, I've waited and waited, and I've, now I think we have something I want to call and see if he'll return my call. Ryan, uh, will you please do this movie? <laughs> Very cool. Anybody else have a question? Yeah. Was there ever an episode that went too far and you actually had to dial it back? It's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I definitely can tell you that Haunted Mask, we did take some heat a lot from the Scholastic people. They were terrified. The stuff that ended up in or that you had to cut? Oh, no, we, no, the stuff that's in. Um, like what? It's I, just the idea where you're watching, you know, what, I mean, I mean, to them, the masks, when you see those six masks lined up, yeah. and again, you've got a shopkeeper and you're talking about this, you know, this thing that's happened and, you know, you know these, these characters that were supposed to be good and they're evil and, you know, I, I just think they got very nervous. You know, and, and again, they always get nervous when it hasn't launched yet. Yeah. Because you don't know what the gauge is going to be. And of course, it ended up being great and it was fine. Um, all right. I'll, but but you, I'll shift to a I'll shift to Haunting Hour for a minute. So in Haunting Hour, to answer your question, the, the one episode they wouldn't let us do is uh, I'm Not Martin. Okay. And in this episode, it, it was Sean Giambrone. Oh, uh, Sean Giambrone? Yeah, he's yeah. the star. Okay? okay. We begged them to let us do And this is Margaret and I, No one would let us do this episode. And, you know, it's... it's it, and finally we convinced... And even Stein wouldn't let us do the episode. And it was his... That was one wow. of them. That was his, right? Wow. And, um, but it's a kid in a hospital. I got to get this right. And you'll understand why they were nervous. And he ends up meeting another kid in the hospital with him. And the kid basically is telling him what's happening to him. But anyway, the kid's got to get his leg cut off. And so he pulls, <laughs> basically this kid pulls a con and switches everything so they take the wrong guy. Oh, gosh. Okay? And now he's going to get his awesome. leg cut off. And he's, everyone, everyone, every time he tells, I'm not Martin, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone says that. We know you're not. I'm sure you're not. No one believed this kid. So he's like That's being taken to this terrible situation and no no one believes that he's not martin you know anyway it's fabulous <laughs> we didn't think we'd ever get it done and we got it done that's awesome yeah that's very cool did anybody else have a question before we let dan leave yes oh yeah God, i don't know that's a very good question i don't know the answer to that do you have any props or anything saved from i have a few there's some stuff in storage yeah they didn't let it you know yeah we did not keep a lot of that stuff. Um, that's a good question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look into that. I've seen. Now, by the way, Ron might have it actually. I was gonna say, probably maybe the creator of the mask, but yeah, it's, it's probably really decayed at this point. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, when we did, when we worked on, um, on the haunting hour and our effects guy. So if you go to this effects guy, he's got Lily D. The doll. Everything is in his workshop. So when you go to his, his creature shop, all of our stuff's there. So, you know, a lot of times they won't let you have it. That's part of the deal, you know. Yeah. Hey, can I get a Lily D? It's like, you spent $100,000 to build it. You can't order a second one, <laughs> you know. Very cool. <clears throat> Any last, yeah, sure. I'm going to ask, though. I want to find out. Is there a particular um, either episode or story 
that you wished had gotten done but was cut or just not brought up? Not really. We we cover we cover. I, I would say there are a couple that we weren't thrilled. Ab abominable snow. There was one that. You weren't thrilled to do it yourself. Well, no, because you've got to build the snow creep. You know, it just there's certain Listen, things you just can't do on the budget. Snowman sponge. Yeah, snowman, exactly. Snowman <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I think the good news is we were able to do the ones we wanted to do. We were able to pull it off, and so that that didn't happen. So I was that was very happy about that. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you all so much tonight. for coming out. Appreciate Excellent. it. All right. Okay, that's it for today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow, where we're going on location to Massacre Haunted House to hear about their 2022 season. Don't forget, if you're in the SoCal area, drop by Zombie Joe's on Friday to meet us and to listen to the Q&A from the team. And if you have a haunt that you want us to feature on the show as part of our yearly Hauntathon, reach out, contact us via our website, or shoot me an email. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.